Hello, and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks. We hope you're safe and well, staying positive and testing negative. Today, we hear from Annie Murray, manager of local content at Sky TV in New Zealand, and Philip Smith, CEO of Auckland-based Great Southern Television, who are both looking for international partners to tap into a new multi-million fund to support the production of Kiwi stories with audience appeal both home and away. I spoke to them about their approach to the fund and the importance of putting Māori and other diverse storytellers front and centre of New Zealand's screen sector strategy over the next 10 years. Annie Murray looks after local commissions for a host of Sky TV brands in New Zealand, including free-to-air network Prime and the streaming service Neon. With a new 50 million New Zealand dollar production and development fund for content with export potential to play with, we discuss how she's looking for international co-producers to provide an extra financing boost to the shows. I began by asking Annie what she looks for in a local commission and how Sky is looking to get involved with the Premium Productions for International Audiences Fund. We are looking for the best ideas from the best creatives in both scripted and unscripted programming. We're looking for series. Um, We're particularly interested in premium drama. Sky is fortunate to have um, agreements that bring in the best of premium drama from around the world. So we're talking HBO, FX and Showtime content, among others. And we're looking for local content that will cut through in that environment so that it will be uniquely of New Zealand, um, which will resonate with our viewers locally and which will also travel internationally. The premium fund applies to both um, scripted and unscripted. And it's uh, I think we're very fortunate as an industry to have that support from our government. We are looking at a number of projects in development, mostly in the scripted space, but also a couple of really interesting unscripted projects. We are supporting productions, uh, we're supporting projects for development as well as for production. Um, Of course, they need to have international partners attached, so some ideas come to us already with international partners. Others we are assisting in those conversations, so Sky has fantastic relationships around the world and we can facilitate those conversations for producers. Um, We're also interested in hearing from international, potential international partners who are looking to invest in content from this part of the world. How are you ensuring that there is a a New Zealand element to to these productions and and what kinds of stories are you looking to tell? Inevitably the stories that come to us are of this country and of of the cultures that make up this country. Um, New Zealand has a really interesting um, demography and it's changing rapidly. So we are seeing very diverse, inclusive and fascinating stories come through. Um, particularly from our ethnic communities. So we're looking for authentic stories. Māori stories, of course, can't come from anywhere else in the world. And they are a unique and very strong um, source of creative for New Zealand. So we're getting a lot of interest in in those stories um, from our international partners. Um, On on the unscripted side, we have some, some very big projects in development, which I can't talk about too much at this stage, uh, but we have a wonderful um, series coming from Justin Pemberton, for example, who, who produced and directed 
um, Capitalism in the 21st Century, which is a, a fantastic standout documentary. So we're working with Justin on his next project. We have A Question of Justice in production, um, which is a true crime series. Of course, we're very interested in more true crime. There is a very strong audience demand for true crime, both locally and internationally. Um, we're also interested in scripted stories of that nature, um, but not exclusively. We do have a couple of uh, really strong series based on true stories, but then conversely we also have um, a couple of fantastic uh, scripted series that are completely invented. So we're open for business really on very strong creative from, from the best um, storytellers that New Zealand has to offer. The output deals that Sky has with you know some of the biggest names in TV like HBO and FX producing some of the highest budget dramas out there. So how do you ensure that the local productions, you know, there isn't that a gulf potentially in terms of what the viewer sees on screen? So when it comes to budget, what we are seeing is increases in budget. And that is partially due to the, um, the scale and ambition of what New Zealand creatives are now looking to achieve. Um, and the fact that viewers are not cutting us any slack when it comes to local anymore. So that we need to be producing local content at the same level and to the same standard as international shows. So what we do have, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have the local budgets available, but that's where the partnerships come in. So when we can bring in international partners who can help to lift that ambition, bring in budgets that help our creatives to achieve that ambition, that's when we're really starting to see um, big, um, big improvements, I think, in the kind of creative that is being produced out of this country. Um, we have incredibly resourceful and, and uh, strong production companies in New Zealand and they are producing, I think we're starting to see now, some of you know, the strongest um, content that we've seen ever out of this territory. We are actively working to build capacity. So one of the things we look at when we look at a project is where is it building capacity both on and off screen. Um, that's also where our diversity and inclusion work comes into play. We see it as being really important to, to bring through um, the creatives that are coming from um, smaller communities and creating real opportunities uh, for those people to help companies to grow from small and medium to large or small to medium and then to large is by supporting them with commissions. We need to commission their ideas, we need to support their development and we need to do that in an ongoing way. So not just one-offs here and there but ongoing commitments. So for us at Sky um, we are dealing with companies right across the board from you know the, the smallest kitchen table operators through to the biggest companies um, and we don't um, necessarily I mean we look at the quality of the idea so it's about you know how strong is the idea how strong is the team uh, can we bring the budget to it that it requires and you know when can it deliver. In terms of your approach to Maori storytelling are you looking to Primarily, is it contemporary stories or is it kind of going, looking back and um, telling kind of period pieces? 
We're interested in both. What we do have on our slate in development at the moment is some really exciting contemporary storytelling, scripted storytelling, which I haven't seen before in coming out of New Zealand. Um, so that's really exciting. And the opportunity that affords to, um, to shine a light on aspects of the Māori world that may not necessarily have been um, seen by a very broad audience either locally or internationally, so that's quite exciting. Um, we've had some success in the past with, uh, with the occupational obstock genre, so that's a way in which we can see expert but probably unpretentious people going about their work, so things like Shearing Gang and Crayfishes, Demolition NZ, you know, these are all opportunities to see not only Māori, but all New Zealanders at work in a way that, um, in an industry that may not otherwise have, um, you know, a great amount of understanding or, or insight from the public. What are the different programming needs of Sky TV and Prime? Because Prime is, is free to air, um, whereas Sky TV is subscription. So we are looking for the best. We are fortunate to have the best from the world and we're looking for the best from New Zealand. So whether it's for Prime or for a pay channel or for Neon, we're looking for the best ideas. And ideally they'll work on all of those platforms with somewhere within the Sky universe. Um, the Prime audience uh, does tend to be older and so there are some genres that work well across both Prime and Neon, for example. So the Obstocks, which I, I talked about earlier, they do well on both Neon and Prime. True Crime also does very well on both. Um, drama is slightly more challenging um, because there's the younger audience that have specific, more specific tastes. We're doing a, a stunt over Easter with a, a premium scripted series on Prime, which did very well on Neon as well. So, you know, we're looking for those, those unicorns that will work well on both in an SBOT environment and pay and free-to-air. And am I right in thinking there are a few kids' commissions kind of in the pipeline? And what are you looking to bring to, to that audience? We're really lucky to have a partnership with CBeebies, which enabled us to greenlight Mo and Friends. So the Mo show was a long-standing, very popular preschool property in New Zealand um, with a puppet character who we are now animating. So we're giving him legs and Mo can have adventures that he couldn't have had previously without legs. So that is a wonderful commission that I'm really pleased to have um, underway. We've done in the past Tiki Towns, which was a partnership with Viacom. Um, that's a short form Māori language series which tells the stories of how towns got their names. Um, that worked beautifully and Viacom were a fantastic partner for that. So that played across Nickelodeon, Prime, on social, it's, it was everywhere. Uh, fantastic project to promote Māori language um, and with the support of a global platform like Viacom was pretty amazing. Looking ahead, something I would love to, to do would be a young adult series. 
I think, uh, you know, the popularity of, of Riverdale and um, the Winx Project and that sort of quite, sort of a little bit dark and edgy young adult series, I think we could do very well out of um, the creative base that we have here and we could do quite uniquely out of New Zealand with that wonderfully diverse mix of cultures that we have here. And obviously amazing locations as well to, to film them in. There's a bit of a production boom happening both in Australia and New Zealand. Are you noticing any strain kind of on the production crews and capacity here at the moment, given the lucky situation people in New Zealand are in in the pandemic? It is a lucky situation that we find ourselves in, and, and it's, it's not just luck, it's good management. You know, our government has done an incredibly good job of, of managing this, this pandemic, and we are fortunate. Um, so the, uh, the industry is very busy and has been since May, June of last year. Are we at full capacity? Not quite. I think that's an ongoing conversation and we are adding more infrastructure. There's at least four projects underway, four big uh, plans for really big studio builds, which we need, and uh, crew and, and um, on-screen cast are very busy, uh, but with the right planning and lead time, there is still capacity there, absolutely. We're seeing you know, occasional flare-ups in the community in terms of COVID cases leading to Auckland in particular being kind of put in lockdown, but usually only for quite short periods of time, especially compared to other parts of the world. How is that impacting your your kind of schedule of, of new content? So COVID has had an impact, absolutely. Uh, we have had to uh, cancel a couple of projects that involved extensive international travel. So obviously that's off the agenda for now. We've also had to rescope quite substantially a couple of other projects which um, could be uh, realigned to be made solely in New Zealand. And, and looking ahead, we are not looking to commission anything at the moment that relies on international travel. So um, that has been the immediate effect. We've also had a number of delays from, as you say, the, the snap lockdowns. Um, and the, the longer lockdowns last year, particularly for Auckland, they did have um, delays, but nothing like what our colleagues are experiencing around the world, so we're very fortunate. We've also had the support of our funding agency, New Zealand On Air, in um, covering some of the costs caused by those delays. Um, so when we look at our pipeline, it's still looking pretty healthy on the local side, and it's certainly very healthy compared to the international pipeline. So our programmers are very happy um, that our calendar, you know, for this calendar year, we're, we're still looking at delivering a, a decent volume of local. And Neon, as you mentioned, is your streaming platform and that gives you a, a foothold in a, a sector that, you know, is really fertile at the moment and busy with streamers operating and producing in New Zealand a lot. We've got Netflix doing shows here, Apple, Amazon with the Lord of the Rings series as well. In terms of how you're looking to compete with those streamers, uh, what's your strategy there? And is there a, potentially a scenario where we see the, the domestic players in New Zealand kind of partnering up to compete with the streamers, given the size of, of those streaming companies? What we have is uh, exclusive and also co-exclusive content, which I think is the way forward. 
Um, obviously, we have to be realistic about the amount of absolutely exclusive content that we're able to secure. And on the originals front, clearly, that's a way forward to create original content that we do hold exclusively. Um, but we are partnering locally um, to ensure that, for example, we were using public funding for content that that content is reaching, you know, the broadest or biggest number of New Zealanders as possible. And so those are some interesting conversations that we're having. We've seen a partnership, for example, between Netflix and TVNZ to bring a series like The New Legends of Monkey to life with a, a distribution strategy that worked for both parties. So those conversations are already happening and uh, we are party to those conversations as well. Slightly cheeky question maybe, but would you be happy to see a Netflix, you know, tap into that NZ on air funding to commission locally relevant stories um, as it's doing in, in lots of countries around the world? Look, I think where there can be a mutually beneficial partnerships between platforms, local platforms and the likes of streamers like Netflix, then I can see how that can work. Um, we are very much a local business employing uh, you know, up to a thousand New Zealanders. We pay tax locally, we contribute enormously to the local industry. So I think that any platform seeking local funding needs to emulate that. Um, we would need to see uh, a contribution from, from those international streamers if they were to be tapping into public funding and a commitment, I think, to the local industry. Annie Murray. Great Southern Television is one of New Zealand's biggest producers and, owned by Australia's Seven West Media, is ideally placed to make the most of the production boom happening down under at the moment. I spoke to the company's CEO, Philip Smith, one of Australasia's most prolific television creators who has created over 50 original TV series that have sold and screened the world over. New Zealand is a hotbed of production activity at the moment due to streamers filming their originals here, like Amazon and its Lord of the Rings adaptation, and local broadcasters stepping up their Kiwi commissions. We began by talking about how the country is making the most of the high global demand for scripted content at the moment. Well, New Zealand is extremely well positioned to exploit the growth of drama production around the world and it's taking every measure to do so. As a result, we've seen an influx of broadcasters come into New Zealand to produce drama and also there's been a very encouraging increase in commissioning locally. So the dra drama industry at the moment in New Zealand and the environment is very healthy. That's not to say that it's overflowing. There is still room for broadcasters to come in here and exploit all of the natural opportunities that New Zealand offers. And this factors in to the 10-year plan that New Zealand has, uh, and it's kind of taking it three years at a time. And one big part of that is to, to grow and grow the number of medium-sized companies. Because at the moment, there's quite a, a handful of big companies such as yourself, and then a lot of quite small companies. So how can it grow sustainably. If we're discussing drama in particular, the bottom line is you do need to have a high level of skill and experience to be able to produce drama at an international level. And that's the, the simple requirement of international broadcasters. So it's really, the onus really sits with the larger companies to put in place training systems and uh, internships uh, and often just tag-alongs 
And so on most dramas in New Zealand you're seeing at the moment, ours included, we do have uh, very much fast-track training systems. We know that drama is going to grow in New Zealand quickly into the future and we have to upskill quickly. So really the first phase is upskilling people within the industry and allowing them to flourish. Whether they take the opportunity to create their own companies is up to them in the future, but it will at least give them the experience and the credits to do so. And as well as New Zealand, I've also been speaking to execs in Australia, and they've also spoke of a production boom. And obviously, there's always been a healthy rivalry between New Zealand and Australia. Is there quite a big competition going on between the two countries? You kind of straddle both. How are you approaching it? We we think that each region has got a unique sales point. So the USPs are quite different. New Zealand offers a different type of scenery, and uh, often we're seeing a certain type of show being produced here. Australia offers the beaches, and it offers a tropical environment. New Zealand offers a very mountainous scenic environment. So we kind of have seen a split in that direction. And so really the two countries are working in synergy at the moment. We do see some Australian producers come into New Zealand and produce like ourselves. We go into Australia and we produce, but I wouldn't consider it a war or a battle. I think when everyone's busy, they tend to work in unison. And so at the moment, we've got a lot of busy companies and everyone seems to be in in a comfortable space. And in terms of New Zealand's growth over the next few years, what would be the ideal scenario? Is it something like productions where you you hold on to the IP and grow that way? Or would it be, as we're kind of seeing already, streamers coming in and kind of doing a work for hire strategy? There's shows like Netflix's Cowboy Bebop happening at the moment, being filmed in New Zealand because obviously that's one way to grow, but uh, which one would you prefer? Every producer in the world would prefer a retention of intellectual property so it can be exploited to a broader market. But at the same time, uh, having the gravitas of Netflix and having a show on Netflix gives you a heck of a lot of credibility. And also uh, there is the opportunity to to make money uh, through the Netflix deal. But ideally, we really think that a mixture within a company is the best way. Some of the dramas are being shot and they've been commissioned and we retain uh, an IP position going forward for distribution to multiple territories. That is obviously a very healthy model for a production company. And if you're in that situation, you can then do a deal with a streamer. And that could be that the streamer comes in and takes all rights and takes the world. And therefore, your, your profit participation is within the budget. But more and more, we're seeing the streamers enter into co-production agreements and to be a little bit kinder in that aspect or a little bit more involved in, in getting it to, to air. So probably first up, of course, ownership of IP, second up, a sharing of IP, and then third, occasionally you can afford to have a big show come in where you're making it for one client, they pay the lot, and that does stimulate the economy greatly, but the production company is slightly more disadvantaged. There's a lot of interest in shooting in New Zealand from streamers, from broadcasters, and from Australia as well. So New Zealand is a very desirable place to shoot. Obviously, there's three reasons for that. One is the scenery and the quality of the crews that you get here. So you get first-class scenery and first-class crews who operate really well. Then we've got the COVID situation and that in general, it's under control in New Zealand. Like we've had one family get it in Auckland. It's caused a short lockdown, but in general, we've been lockdown free for a year. Uh, And so getting into New Zealand is 
a two-week quarantine and then you're away. And then the third opportunity, of course, is the tremendous tax opportunities that the New Zealand government offers, and that is a 40% rebate, which is an extremely high rebate on, on world terms. And so that makes the completion of a finance plan all that much more achievable. And so uh, you put all that together and New Zealand is a very desirable place to shoot at the moment. And how are you approaching the premium fund that's designed to attract international investment into New Zealand? It's an exceptional incentive from the government. It's probably quite unique in the world in that the government acknowledges that to create employment and and to grow this industry further, which is turning into you know, a large industry in New Zealand. Like, for example, New Zealand is very much about meat, wool, uh, milk, fish. You know, New Zealand is a primary producer and tourism. But film is actually moving into the billion-dollar category and becoming a very important part of the New Zealand economic landscape. So as a result, the government has acknowledged this and can see that it can grow it from a, a $1 to a $2 to a $3 billion industry within New Zealand. So by by supporting it and providing the premium fund, they are trying to accelerate international productions coming into New Zealand. $50 million was a very generous uh, offering from the government, and it's now being contested by a range of uh, production companies to bring international money uh, to New Zealand. It could be an international show or a domestic show. New Zealand obviously has a unique culture and a big part of how the strategy for growth, um, a big part of that strategy is supporting Maori stories and storytellers. Take me through how Great Southern approaches that. I think New Zealand is considered to be a leader in the world in terms of a lot of cultural issues. Obviously, first to give the vote, uh, gay marriage was, um, uh, you know, ratified here a long time ago, and it's it's uh, these are all sort of non-issues for us, and also. Uh, our belief that we have to work harder and to be more inclusive on cultural issues has been a driving conversation. In particular, it's picked up in the last two years where there's an acknowledgement further of language, of land settlement and of Māori place within New Zealand. And I think uh, wider New Zealand has come to appreciate the facts of the treaty that actually uh, signed New Zealand over to the colonial system. And now that that understanding has occurred, uh, there's a strong desire to see Indigenous uh, stories told accurately and truthfully. Um, there was some research came out recently that indicated that uh, early history written in New Zealand in the 1920s, most of the authors acknowledged that they made up about 30% of what they wrote. So uh, basically, there is a desire now for New Zealand history and our cultural stories to be told accurately. So we're seeing the broadcasters and the funding institutions agree that there has to be a reset and there has to be a rewrite as well. And so we're going through that transformation at the moment. We're going through it strongly, and I think uh, most people in New Zealand are behind it. Countries like Australia look to us. I think the US uh, and Canada could look to us as well in terms of uh, being a you know effectively a colonial nation that was settled by other people uh, and there were already an Indigenous race here that was settled. So there are a multitude of stories to be told and we've told a lot of stories from a European perspective, which is the European coming into the town and then looking upon the Māori and the settlement. And what we're doing now as a company is we have a large Indigenous department and we're trying to tell stories from the other way, how it looked for the Māori when the European came in, rather than the other way around. So there is a strengthening of our cultural story and our cultural narrative in New Zealand, and that's being reflected within the funding bodies and the commissioning 
So we have a large Indigenous department within our company, which we don't really call an Indigenous department now. We think that that also is a very colonial way of looking at things. It's simply part of our company and part of our culture and our charter, and that is to tell the stories of New Zealand accurately. One of the greatest sayings I've heard in the last decade was from a BBC controller who said that uh, the days of a white man standing on a hill telling us how it is, is over. And um, that is such a great way of describing it. And so we feel that um, we're looking at alternative voices and we're getting a great deal of encouragement uh, from the streamers. Don't really want to name the streamers, but all of them have said, where are the Indigenous stories? Where is the Pacifica story? Uh, we want to connect with these Indigenous stories. And at the same time, we're seeing in filmmaking, you know, we, we only have to look at, you know, movies that, that are winning Oscars now, the directors that are winning Golden Globes. I think the world is opening up to becoming one major creative force rather than it being sort of buttonholed down into one particular perspective. And if you can get that perspective right, then you can win an Oscar. And I think this is going to be a huge growth sector within our creative market you're one of the rare ceos who as well as running the business you're also feeding in stories and coming up with ideas for shows and creating shows how are you now as your approach to that changed given this this need for more stories from new voices and alternative voices how are you kind of balancing that going forward that's right so i i enjoy creating shows and i think i've been lucky enough to have a about 50 television shows that I've created be made in my career, which is getting too long now. And so you're right, I should step down and let younger people take over. Um, and that's what we're doing. We are basically, like, from my creative perspective, I might have a wellspring of an idea or a concept, but then what we do is we then put it into a writer's table and into a group and I'm more of a concept person. I, I have written scripts and I write drama, but I tend to create a concept, bring in a writing team, package the project and sell it internationally. But within that packaging now, we're bringing in, it's very important what we we're talking about before. If you are looking at an Indigenous story, the first thing you do, if you have an idea, is you consult with the people. You do not just then go and start developing a story on Māori or a story in Australia on Aboriginal matters. You simply cannot do that. You have to start right at the start by enlisting them. Then at the same time, we're nurturing a lot of young writers in New Zealand and Australia uh, to give them their voice. So we, uh, yes, I do create the odd show, but at the same time, we take pictures in. And also when we start, at the start, we ensure we've got all of the right uh, systems in place to get the best possible idea, but also that you're working in conjunction with, with the creative community and getting it right. And going back to the pandemic, how are you approaching production at the moment, given that, yes, New Zealand has pretty much been lockdown free, but we are seeing these kind of isolated incidents pop up that are resulting in lockdowns in certain areas. How are you navigating that? It's really show by show. Like, for example, we have seven shows in production at the moment. Our drama is in the South Island, and so we have certain rules in the South Island, which is level two. And so that is sort of like low contact distancing, mask wearing, cleanliness, health hygiene, and not and really pretty much running a closed set. So the, the COVID impact on our drama outside of Auckland has been low. 
uh, other than we have to be disciplined. Then we, obviously when there's a lockdown in the in the big city, which is Auckland, we um, have had to put a production on hold for one week and then uh, we expect to return to production the following week, but it could be on a level two basis, which is smaller groupings of people. So it's really case by case. Uh, the New Zealand government, I think, pioneered a very clear system at the start, which is, you know, the levels of lockdown one, two, three, and four. Uh, the public have been generally uh, quite responsive and it's been reasonably clear up until this date as to what you do. And so, you know, from government downwards, everyone's been quite clear that the funding bodies and the broadcasters and the producers um, have been able to work closely together. Um, I guess we have to remember it's easier for us in New Zealand. Like we are smaller than Sydney as, as a nation. We're smaller than Melbourne and we're smaller than North London. So it's not as hard in New Zealand to get 5 million people together to cooperate. So we do have a natural advantage in managing the pandemic and also being an island, of course. Philip Smith. That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and on social media. Thanks for listening.